and welcome to Three People in a Ginger, where we talk about history topics that are not usually explored in a history textbook. My name is Sarah Klonowski. I'm Rachel Julian. My name is Ryan Jessica. I'm Fiona Burke, your host and the ginger. Today we're talking about Al Capone. We want to introduce the podcast with the ultimate question, who is Al Capone and how does society view him? Well, personally, Al Capone is one of the most infamous and ruthless mobsters in America, and this is how society exactly views him, and it's widely believed this. Some view him as a delinquent for his petty crimes and his marks and vandalism, while others believe he changed the idea of crime we now know today. In my opinion, I think Al Capone was one of the biggest mobsters of the 19th century. In grammar school, we learned a lot about him and his mobs and how he had a great impact on mobs today. Uh, throughout my middle school career, I really did not know much about Al Capone. All I knew was he was one of Chicago's biggest mobsters in the 19th century. And um, I wanted to know more about him through this research and through this podcast. And we're going to be learning from each other. What did you learn about him? Well, I 100% agree with you, Rachel. I did not learn a lot about him in the history textbook. We just knew that he was one of the biggest mobsters of all time. We never really went into a lot of detail, and that's why we want to bring this podcast to you guys today, to go into more detail about this mobster that everyone perceives. Yeah, see, the right place to really start about all this would be about his early life. Rachel, what did you find out about that? So, his early life was fairly normal for anybody who would have been living in America in that time. Uh, Capone was born to Italian immigrants, and he was born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he did decent in school, never was too bad of a kid, maybe got into trouble here or there, but was never anybody you'd expect to become who he now is known to be today. Um, and for a long time, or well, no, not for a long time, I meant to say that his he had a longtime friend named Johnny Torrio, who was actually the one that caused him to start to get into mob activity. Uh, do you think Johnny Torrio was one of his main influences, or do you think there's anything else that could have a play in that? Um, you know, I really think that Johnny was definitely, like, the main influence. The only other reason I could ever see Al Capone turning to the life that he did was because he came from a fair, like, not necessarily a a wealthy family by any means. It was a more so on the poor side Italian immigrant family with a lot of kids and a lot of siblings to support. So I'm sure that that could have been a reason as well. But I think Johnny was definitely the main influence for Al Capone's decisions and lifestyle. Perfect, Rachel. Thank you for sharing. So do you guys know, because I just know the role Johnny played in um, in Al Capone's life, but do you guys know anything more about Johnny Torrio himself and like more about his own life? Well, I figured out more about Al Capone's life and it, everything searched up the same. He had a really normal life. His father was a barber, mother a seamstress. He lived a down-low life, maybe more of a lower class. However, I feel like Johnny Torrio was indeed the biggest influence in his life that yeah. really led to his cycle of crime that we see today. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know in about like 1920, he actually invited Capone to join him in the in Chicago, Illinois. Johnny did? Uh, yeah. And that's how he became, like with his uncle too. But then actually, Torrio ended up killing Capone's uncle and took over the operation. And that made Capone his right-hand man. 
if he was involved in that killing, I don't know. Um, but I know that um, Capone also became a boss when Torrio was seriously wounded in an assassination attempt and because then he surrendered control and retired to Brooklyn. And that's how Capone led his whole entire thing pretty much after Torrio's attempt, assassination attempt. Do you think like Torrio killing his uncle like made him mad at all? Or do you think he was just too excited to get involved in that kind of life? See, I feel like it was kind of, I, I can see both sides. I don't know how close Capone and his uncle were. So I don't know if like Capone wanted that. So Torrio and Capone could like lead the gang together if it was just uh oh i want to do my you know first assassination attempt or something like that mm -hmm. yeah i get that i also learned that al capone al capone sold lots of alcohol which helped him earn money and gain power with politics he even developed legal and undetected crime organizations and he was also very intelligent and was able to own many types of businesses and maintain and control his criminal activity. It's kind of like, I wonder if, um, with Al Capone, I wonder if like that's maybe where stuff like, terms like street smart came from. Because in school, when he was in school as a kid, it really didn't seem like he had anything about him that was like super smart or didn't do anything out of the ordinary. But then when it came to business and or crime activity he really played his cards right and was able to do well and obviously he obviously did well because he's one of the most famous gangsters of all time yeah but i also know that he did quit school after the sixth grade which i kind of feel like has an effect on his like school smarts and he, that's how like right after that he began to associate with like all the street gangs and stuff so. Yeah, and I agree with Rachel too. He only had an IQ of 95, which is pretty average for that time. So he really had to rely on his street smarts and the savviness in order to really strive to be at the top, be one of the biggest gangsters. So overall, we learned that his intelligence was really not a big role in it. It was his savviness and how he got through other people. The question we want to leave you guys with is, was John Torrio one of the sole influencers in his life, or do you think there was another person involved? I know we keep saying that he was one of the biggest mobsters of all time, the most notorious, the most infamous. However, we're not going into much detail about what crimes he did that got him up to this pedestal. So we want to take it away with Ryan, starting off with his minor crimes, leading to his major crimes, and what caused these. The crime that really started it all and led Capone to the public eye was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which was on February 14, 1929, and then paraphrased from legendsofamerica.com, 2019, page 1, it could be known as the most culminating violence of the Chicago gang era because of the gang bugs, which when they became machine gunned down against the police, like against the wall, and this is also usually ascribed to Capone even though he wasn't there, and then the real reason this led him to the public eye though was because he would not show up to the court order which made him known to the fbi as well um and then when talked about it before his lawyer lawyers then stated it was because he was suff suffering from pneumonia and then he was confined to his bed so he cannot go to the court order i feel like them being a part of this massacre brought him a lot of recognition throughout society and criminal organizations at that time it also showed how good of a criminal and how powerful he was it's also weird to me because at the same time it's like when you live a life of crime and you live this life where you have people who want to gun you down at every minute 
um, the fact that he wanted to keep such a high profile and kind of be almost like a celebrity is really interesting because even his old friend before he retired or as he was retiring told Al that it would be a much better idea to keep a low profile so a lot of people wouldn't really know who he is and wouldn't know who to target but because he lived such a celebrity like life he therefore was a big target. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it was really hard for Al Capone to stay out of the spotlight because he kept continuing to do these crimes and for his friend wanting to live such a low life, like doing the St. Valentine's Day Massacre just really put him on that pedestal where everyone could see him. I mean, this celebrity status even got to the point where detailed to a T descriptions of what he looked like were made and recorded, which I know, Rachel, you'd like to go more into that. Right, so I'm going to cite this from my source, uh, what was it called? It was um, from Daniel Francis, special to the star, Adventures in Bootlegging, the Gun-Toting Paster. Pastor? Yeah, Pastor. Um, so when someone went to go see Al Capone in court, in person, when he actually did go to court, because as we know, he liked to avoid the federal government for obvious reasons, um, this is what he said he saw. The Capone that I saw was over six feet tall, with shoulders wider than anybody else's in the whole courtroom. Out of a thousand people, he would have attracted attention by his animation, his laugh, his ra his raven black brilliant in hair and eyebrows standing out against the ruddiness of his Miami tanned face like patent leather against red paper. His large lips registered in the memory as did the two scars on the left side of his face, one a pink welt a quarter inch, a quarter of an inch wide extending from the sidebar almost to the corner of his lip, the other along the line of his jawbone. So that is how one of these people described Al Capone and um, it's honestly really gives you a good picture of what kind of person he was. I feel like with a description as detailed as this, that it would be pretty blatantly obvious to see him walking down the street, who he is, what he looked like, especially since he was making so much crimes and committing so much crimes. I feel like it would be much easier to see him. So when his first federal court appearance came, everyone knew exactly who he was. Yeah, and his first federal grand jury, whatever, appearance was actually at Chicago on March 20th, 1929. And this completed his testimony about the topic I was talking about earlier. And people said as he left the courtroom, he was arrested actually by um, for an offense, which could be a penalty of one year and a 1,000 fine. But then he posted a 5,000 bond and then was actually released. Now that we know more about his major crimes and what his physique appeared to be, do we know anything about his personality traits or how like he acted on his friends or family? Um, well, when I look at the same article, I'm going to paraphrase it here, it said that he was very friendly and that he was willing to talk, um, but not about anything that was of public interest, more so just about small talk and stuff like that. Um, the reporter, uh, the, when the reporter asked the gangster about his business, he said he didn't know anything about it. So, when it came to Capone, he was very alluding to anything that was obvious, like his crime or his more so, I don't know, the life he 
everyone knew he lived, but when it came to uh, like small talk, he could talk up a storm. I find that incredibly interesting because for being such a mobster, you'd think he would be very rude to people, very snobby, but the fact that he was friendly is just shows that he wasn't the type of person that everyone perceived him to be. Yeah, it's like kind of weird because like if you think about it, you'd think Al Capone was like this big intimidating guy, which from looks he definitely was, but if you were to go up to him, he would greet you with a firm handshake and would just be the kindest guy you could meet, um, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of very interesting. And I want to know Fiona's thoughts. What do you feel on that subject? Do you think that because he's a big, like, mobster, would he be very intimidating or friendly? I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like he would want to be friendly so more people like him. And Or um, also, like, with that being said, too, like, it seems like he oftentimes just like didn't know what he wanted to be like he didn't know if he wanted to be a celebrity he didn't know if he wanted to be a mobster and i think he always tried to find the in-between which was pretty much his downfall in a lot of ways which if you think about it, it's pretty smart in a way to be friendly to everyone you meet because you want the jury to be on your side when you go into court so with as many appearances in prison and court that he had you would want the jury to be on your side more so if he was viewed as a friendly person like a teddy bear more people would be on his side perhaps yeah so right. actually it could be like all an act what he's doing just for the public and the jury to like him more or it could be his true personality we don't really know because we've never um, another question we would like to leave you guys with today would be, do you think that his friendly appearance was on act, or do you think this persona was his genuine self behind all this idea of crime? Actually, I don't think this is an act because he really liked to help people, especially children. He had a soup kitchen during the Great Depression to help families that were really suffering at that time. And I think overall he just wanted to be a good person and help society, but since he was stuck up in all this criminal activity, it was sort of his way of life and that's all he knew. Yeah, and because of this mentality, he also has it of a 12-year-old child, so I feel like that kind of plays a role in it too. I would agree with Ryan as well that his mentality affected most of his crimes and the status that he achieved today as we know. In fact, according to James A. Gagliano, who is a former FBI special agent, and Dr. Kostas A. Kasadakis, who is a forensic psychologist currently. Capone became a crime boss more than likely due to his lack of opportunities as a kid and the blend of the anti-establishment as a child that he portrayed. This could be seen when he was expelled at the age of 14 for slapping a teacher in the face, stripping him a lot from opportunities for wealth or success. This neglect, as portrayed, probably played a huge portion in his crimes, why he did what he did, and why he gave back to the people, especially with the soup kitchen. This was written from the Netflix show Inside the Criminal Mind, episode 4, Crime Lords, which was written in 2018 by multiple directors and authors. You know, we've been throwing a lot of information at you lately about Al Capone, so we're going to be right back after a quick ad break. When we return, we'll be talking about Al Capone's death and more about his legacy. Hungry for some delicious Italian food? Visit Six Flags Great America and visit Capone's for some of its amazing pasta. Not only do you get some delicious food, you get to spend the day getting a bunch of thrills on some of America's best roller coasters. American Eagle, Goliath, Joker, and much more. Capone's also offers amazing refreshers after spending the beautiful hot day at Hurricane Harbor. 
Great America's very own water park. Bring family and friends to this amazing restaurant and amusement park located just outside of the city Al Capone lived his infamous mobster life. Oh, don't they have pizza too? I remember having their pizza. It's like really good. It's yeah, amazing. It, yeah, they have breadsticks which are better than Olive Garden. Yes, so make sure you come to Capone's and use code Capone's Pasta for 10% off of your meal today. Welcome back from the break. Right now I'll be touching the subject of um, his hallucinatory death. So. He ended up suffering from parasites derived from syphilis and ended up deteriorating during confinement, and which made him have to go to a, a hospital in Baltimore, Baltimore for his brain treatment. After that, he then returned to his Florida home, but then in, as his case kind of got worse in 1946, his physician and Baltimore psychiatrist found out his mental state lowered to a 12-year-old child. So then he ended up staying in Palm Island with his wife and immediate family away from everyone. But sadly, then on January 25th, 1947, he passed due to a stroke and pneumonia. He was then buried in Mount Carmel Cemetery in Chicago. Although he's dead, I still feel like he impacted a lot of these gangs today. Capone's way of working and committing these crimes happened to be very long-lasting and influential to the crimes that happen today in big criminal organizations of today. Smuggling, which is one of Capone's most used methods, turned into the key focus of gangs today, which shows how much of an impact Capone really had. His death, matter-of-factly, actually brought out some positive impacts. For instance, when he cared for the lower class and built a soup kitchen during the Great Depression, he was able to touch his people's hearts and make them realize that he was not as bad as a person as everyone made him out to be. He taught them how to give back to those that need it, those just to return a favor that he brought them. He also helped the Chicago Outfit and other gang members around the area understand like the consequences of their actions, making crime stoop down to lower than it was when Al Capone existed. Even though his impact could be seen as bittersweet here, I think it was mainly negative because Chicago mob history between 1942 and 1943 was one of the roughest times in the Chicago outfit after the death of Al Capone, who was like their celebrity at the time. After the death of the infamous mobster, mainly all of the Prohibition era mob wars ended. Crime was kept under the radar out of fear, causing mobsters like Frank Needy to commit suicide. Policemen in Chicago were given the green light to persecute any mobster scene as Al Capone's arrest and legacy opened their eyes to the true hoodlum element that lurked around Chicago. Capone's death had a negative impact mainly due to these persecutions, and this is paraphrased from Mars Adegan's book, After Capone, The Life and World of Chicago Mob Boss Frank the Enforcer Needy, which is written in 2006, taken from pages 6 through 9. So the question I want to bring up, the final question of our podcast actually, was do you think Al Capone's impact was more leaning towards negative or positive? Um, I mean, I would say it depends on who you are. If you live in Chicago, then you can kind of say you're bragging rights because you live in the same city as one of the biggest mobsters of all time, which is cool, at least to me. Um, if you're someone who's in law enforcement though, then you probably don't like Capone too much because he's someone that changed the crime game forever. So, I don't know. Or also, you might look up to Capone if you are a mobster yourself, uh, but I don't think anyone here is, but if you are, that's also really cool. Uh, but yeah. Um, we would want to leave you with this. 
this is just an example of one of the answers that it could be. We'd want to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like us, please stay tuned for more updates. It's unsure what we're doing next, but we want to go into more on the Chicago outfit. Thank you.